0: Warning, this podcast may contain content and discussions of a graphic and mature nature. Some material may be inappropriate for children, and strong adult language may be present. Listener discretion is advised. everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Devil's Hour, a podcast for the strange and unusual. Uh, Joining us again today is my friend and co-host Michael. Hello, hello. Thanks for coming back, Michael, as we sort of wrap up this two-part New uh, Orleans-themed situation, I guess. (laughs) Series, you could say. Yeah, mini-series.
1: Very mini. It's two parts.
0: (laughs) Just two. Yeah. Today, uh, we're going to be talking about the infamous Axeman Killer of New Orleans. Which I have been anticipating for a
1: minute now. Like I told you earlier, I not only did I just not get around to <laughs> doing the research this time because I've been busy, but I eventually decided, you know what? I don't even want to try to do any research on this one because there's the... There's the, I guess, based on what you are saying earlier, the myth that he was a jazz musician uh, intrigued me. I myself am very much into jazz, but, so I was like, this is interesting, I've never heard of a jazz musician being a villain of some kind. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I mean, they've done a lot of meth, but they... <laughs> <laughs> Do they really? Is that... Uh, I think back in the day, or it was heroin. Like, I think Miles Davis either OD'd on like heroin
0: or meth. I think it was heroin. Oh, jeez. Yeah. What? Yeah. Wow, I didn't even know he OD'd. That's crazy. You're all shocked. Let's take a moment of silence yeah, for Miles Davis. Yeah, moment, please. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so as far as the axe murder goes, there's a lot of debate as to... Well, I guess we'll get into that. But, um, just some, <laughs> just some in- information, just like quick facts about him I guess you could say is, um, well for one, you know, um, what makes this case so fascinating is that the case is still unsolved to this day, so it's very old, cold case, if yeah. you will. Um, the coldest of cases. The coldest of cases. And it's shrouded, you know, it's shrouded in mystery, especially when we start getting into the facts of the case, there's a lot of unanswered questions. That's what I like about this case a lot, there's a lot of unanswered questions, a lot of things that don't make sense. Uh some people believe the Axeman was just a deranged serial killer who was clever enough to never get caught, while others believe the Axeman of New Orleans was a demon. Demon. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> a demon or a demonic. Was a Demon. <laughs> a Demon. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a bougie way. Uh-huh. Demon <laughs> It's a demon. It's pronounced Demon. <laughs> And, uh, so some people think he's a, actually a demonic entity that took the form of a human to, uh, when it claimed its victims. Um, we'll get into why people believe that, and all that jazz, you know. It was back in the day. Ah, I see what you did there. Oh, you like that? You <laughs> like that That was actually unintentional. Yeah, I could see it in your yeah. face. <laughs> I was like, damn, I did something cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Axeman murders would take place in New Orleans, Louisiana, and would span a total of 18 months, so a year and a half. Um, he was responsible for a total of 12 attacks, six murders, and six other attempted murders. Um, mm. So not not a very good success rate, if we're being honest here. It's like a 50% success rate. If, you know, so... Wait, it was 12 attacks. So 12 total attacks. Out of, yeah. And out of the 12, tw- six yeah, people died. Six people died. Six were just injured. Those are rookie numbers. Yeah, so yeah very get those rookie numbers. numbers up, man. <laughs> just kidding. I can understand. Don't me. do it. <laughs> get those numbers up. Um, the Axeman would stand by his victims beside them as they slept and would wait for them to wake up just before he would like bludgeon them with an axe. However- That's fucking cruel. That is cruel, and it's also creepy. Like, have you ever just like, slept- Like, just imagine being asleep, and I'm assuming it's dark, and you wake up, and there's like a- like, dark, shadowy figure just looking down at you. That's freaking creepy as hell. Sounds like sleep paralysis. Yeah. I've never had that. (laughs) No, I I feel like I might have.
1: Um, sleep paralysis.
0: Yeah, I've heard a lot of her. I don't know her, but I hear she's hot. I'm just kidding. What? <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, so the, the axe man also, he never actually carried his own weapon around with him, which was also pretty interesting. Really? He, yeah, instead he would like use whatever he could find lying around uh, his victim's home like as a weapon. So it was like typically a lot of people had an axe back in the day, like in their backyard or like on the property. So, so he would typically find an axe. And- yeah, so most of the time it was an axe that was used, though in some cases he did use a straight razor, um, and he would leave behind like the weapons at the scene, once he was done like using it. So he would yeah. never take it. Yeah, long before fingerprints and DNA you could get away with that shit. Yeah, for sure.
1: Fuck cleaning up, I'm done, he's dead, I'm out, let's go have uh, let's go have a coffee.
0: Yeah, that's a good thing, I mean that's a good way to look at it because like back in the day they didn't even have an inkling of what like DNA testing was yeah so I was like okay like I'm done just gonna leave my stuff here and yeah let them clean up the mess pretty much I'm just gonna leave behind strands of hair sk- flakes of skin semen everything just you know <laughs> yeah just, why not all that uh, so the way that ax would enter his victims homes was also very consistent and he definitely had like an MO like a A pattern, Um, he would remove the panel of his victim's back door with the chisel and then he would leave the chisel right next to the the panel like at the door most times Um, So I don't know if you've seen it. I mean, I don't really know how many back doors have panels these days because obviously this was like um, a Long time ago. Like over like a hundred years ago, right? 19... 1918 was when the first murder happened. Oh, yeah. So 102 years, 103 years ago. Yeah, so he would just remove but, but like if you go and take a look at the pictures of what like the back panel looks like pretty much the way he was getting in was like a very small entrance yeah. that's, that's also and we'll get into it more but that's also why some people believed he wasn't human because they're like there's no way that he could have fit through that panel like that little hole there like it was just so small is what they're saying I've got it he was from a freak show he was a contortionist <laughs> <laughs> I mean it is New Orleans <laughs> I don't put it yeah I could see it I could see it or he was a midget? Ah, the little people. Mm-hmm. Never know. Uh, but let's start getting into Never trust
1: anyone below five feet.
0: <laughs> I'm kidding. It's <laughs> <That's> my sister. <laughs> She's four. Don't little. trust her. <laughs> I never did. I never <laughs> have. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, actually so some people believe that the Axeman murders were actually racially charged because all of the victims were Italian grocers. Huh. So that's an interesting note to interesting. Or that, go. or he really hated the pricing on tomatoes, I don't know, like... <laughs> yeah, maybe that Maybe that was it, right? <laughs> he disgruntled... I don't even know. Everyone shops at a grocery store. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming. So, Disgruntled so patron. Yeah, there you go. It was a Karen. Yeah, definitely a Karen. But it was he, a contortionist Karen. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's, the, uh, what's the male equivalent of a Karen? Richard, apparently, that was our ghost that we have that haunts my apartment. Um, yeah. Let's uh, let's start getting into the actual murders, like the case itself. Um, the first murder of the Man occurred on May twenty third, nineteen eighteen, during the early hours of the morning. Married couple Joseph and Catherine Maggio were Italian grocers who lived who um, were living above their grocery store at the time. They were asleep in bed alongside one another when an intruder crept into their home and slashed both of their throats with a straight razor. Uh, Catherine's throat was actually cut so badly that her head was nearly decapitated. Jesus, with a straight razor? With a straight razor.
1: Oh, wait, yeah, at those times it was it was kind of like the uh, Sweeney Barber's Todd looking like yeah, a barber. Exactly. It's exactly oh, okay. Right. Yeah. But still, even that just seems like that would have taken a good while.
0: Definitely. definitely yeah. seems like a crime of aggression and just savagery. Yeah. Yeah. The killer then proceeded to bash their heads open with an axe, most likely in order to confuse the coroner's of their true cause of death, or perhaps simply because he was just like a psychopath. You know? Yeah. Trying to add uh, salt to the wound, I guess. I don't know. Salt to the wound, insult to injury. <laughs> exactly, there you go. And, and Catherine, um, she died during the attack, obviously, she was nearly decapitated, but Joseph actually survived long enough for his brother, who was living next door at the time, to find him still alive. Oh wow. And although he would die a few moments l- later, he would not succumb to his wounds, um, this would be the first of the Axeman's murders, and would begin his attack on Italian-Americans. Um, the police found the straight razor used in the grass by like, like near his neighbor's house. Um, so, yeah, so that's what we have so far, like, we have, he left, so I guess his first attack was with the razor blade. Yeah. And then, used an axe to finish it up, and just kind of threw the uh, razor blade in the in the grass. Yeah. So honestly, I'm
1: already suspicious of that brother. Like, oh really? Yeah. You know, like, I mean, they were asleep, and I don't know. I guess there was probably some noise made because I mean, he can't couldn't kill them both at the same time. Like, yeah. Had to do one then the other. So but that probably woke up somebody.
0: That's usually how it works, though. You know, isn't that kind of weird? Like. Like, people automatically suspect the person that finds a dead body. So it's like, if I found a dead body, would I really want to report it? Because people would think I did it.
1: You know, that's... Believe it or not, that's crossed my mind myself before. Because yesterday I was walking through uh, one of my favorite parks and I smelled... I swear I caught a whiff of something dead. And I think it may have just been this homeless guy's blanket that he left behind. (laughs) But... uh, <laughs> because I was downwind of that, and when I got up, uh, you know, a uh, uh, further away from it, I couldn't smell it anymore. But anyway, I caught a whiff of, uh, of something that smelled like like death, and I was like, "Holy fuck!" It could just be an animal. I mean, there's lots of animals in this park, but um, what if I find a fucking body? Yeah, you know. Um, but if I report it, and they're like, "Well, you're suspect number one," I'm like, "Why? Yeah, so that's the crazy." I reported
0: thing. this shit. <laughs> yeah, I was just taking a walk. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, I mean, I, I would just. I mean, at the end of the day, I would report it. Obviously, it's a dead body. And like, yeah, I, mean, I, I like to think of it in terms I of. I feel what, kind of bad if I didn't. Exactly. Know? At the end of the day, it's like if you have nothing to hide, you'll be you should be fine. Like, if yeah. you didn't do it, if you weren't even involved and you just happened upon it, yeah. they're going to discover that pretty quickly. Yeah. But I can, uh, like, you know, I, I can understand them being suspicious of who found it at first. Or at least they better not suspect you ever. Because, yeah. I don't know, I'm such a cynic that I'm like, I don't know.
1: What if by one little thing <laughs> they end up thinking it's me? Yeah. It was, like, circumstantial? I just, like, I just don't what? have faith in people. I feel like they'll really fuck it up at the worst times.
0: That's true. I mean... Police have been known to fuck up a lot of things, involving cases, like a lot of things.
1: Yeah, but yeah, no, still report it anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As a PSA to everyone out there, if you find a dead body, report it immediately.
0: <laughs> Please report it. Um, so the next. And don't victims, touch it.
1: That's for sure. Don't touch don't it. Don't get near it. Don't put any. Don't put any of your DNA on that thing. No. Also, you're supposed to leave crime scenes alone anyway, because it's yeah. like against the law to like fuck with it, isn't it? I'm pretty sure.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, it should be. Yeah. I think it's just stupid it's if... like tampering it. with evidence or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it could definitely be. Um, the next victims of the axe murder were Louis Bessemer and his mistress, Harriet Lowe, who were attacked in the early hours of the morning while living at their grocery store. So we're already seeing a pattern develop here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this attack occurred on June 27th 1918, so it was only a month after the first attack, Bessemer was stuck in, I'm sorry, not stuck, Bessemer was struck in the head with an axe above his right temple, um, while his mistress Harriet was hacked across her face. They were left lying in a pool of their own blood and would lay there for hours until they were discovered by the driver of a bakery wagon who would like had he'd made like routine deliveries to their grocery store. Um, so he happened upon their body, but they were they they're laying there in their blood for hours before he got there. Uh, but both victims were taken to the hospital, and Bessemer gave an account of how he was sleeping before he was attacked. Um, he was not able to see the killer's identity or get a good look at him. But his mistress in bed in bed with him, which was Harriet, claims she was attacked by a muletto man. Um, and I looked up like what muletto yeah, is. Yeah, like, half black, half white. Correct, like yeah. half black, half European. Um, the axe, the axe used in the attack was also left in the crime scene, or at the crime scene. Louis Bessemer's mistress, Harriet, would also accuse Louis himself of being a German spy, and also accuse him of attacking her with the axe that night. Hmm. So that's what's like weird about this case, like, yeah, Harriet. we were just
1: talking about them fucking shit up. Yeah, exactly, exactly yeah. <laughs>
0: people in general, you just can't trust people. Like, yeah. you just say that right off the bat. I don't even trust you, man. Yeah, I know, <laughs> like, well, I don't even know why we're here right now. <laughs> I don't trust you, bro. You could kill me. Uh... I do have a <laughs> knife. It's always good to carry a knife, you never know when any you're gonna It
1: actually is, it's why I carry one. Yeah. Dang. I love it. $22. AutoZone. <laughs> <laughs> AutoZone? <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: now that's class. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So Harriet claimed that he had attacked her before, like before this incident mm-hmm. and that he did. So again that night to like finish the job sort of thing. Harriet mm-hmm. um, uh, Harriet would actually pass away two days after undergoing facial reconstruction surgery, like after the attack. Mm. And Lewis was sentenced to spend nine months in jail after the attack on Harriet. However, just one month later, while Lewis was still in jail, the real Axe Man would strike again. Okay. And that, like, cleared him. Hmm. So, just kind of, like, stop right there a little bit. I, it's like, this case is already getting weird. Like, I mean, it yeah. gets weirder, but... Awesome. It's just, it just, it just, who... Like, when I when I heard about this or when I researched it, I was like, okay, what the fuck is going on? Like, this Harriet chick, first she said, it, it just didn't make sense because she's like, first she said that the Mileto Man was responsible for the attack. Yeah. And then second, she's like, okay, well, actually, my uh, husband is a, uh, well, not even a husband. I don't know, what what do you call it? Because, like, he's, she's his mistress, so what do you, what would she call him? Like Lover? I, don't like, know. I guess lover. Uh, like, so my lover is actually a German spy who <laughs> was responsible for our attack. But even if he it's was... Like, why
1: would she even say that to begin with? Exactly.
0: And, but, Unless it was possibly true and she thought that's why this happened. I mean, he would have had to have hit himself in the head with this axe and, like fuck himself up. Oh yeah, how bad was it when they said? I mean, it was pretty bad. He was lying in a pool of his own blood. Um, I don't know, because
1: you've... I mean, I've only seen it in movies. I, I don't—I can't think of anyone who's actually done that in a real case, but, but you know, where they'll inflict wounds on themselves so that uh, they can deflect any uh, blame from being put on them. Yeah, I mean, like, I've
0: done it a couple times for fun. Just to try it. the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> totally kidding. No, but, <laughs> like... like in that just try it. I just wanted to see <laughs> what I could do, you know? Like, in that scene with Scream... Like in the movie Scream, which one? Uh, the first one. The first one, where the killers—you've seen Scream, right? I have, but it's been a long time. Oh okay, yeah. It's like it's when the
1: killers are. Uh, That's why I didn't even realize that Drew Barrymore was in it until I saw your shirt last oh week. Oh my god! <laughs> I, know, I was like, I was so disgraced. I was like, bro, Drew. <laughs> like Barrymore. I probably saw it at a time when I didn't even recognize her as Drew Barrymore. I uh. don't even know. Gotcha. But anyway, go
0: on. Yeah, you know, there's a scene in Scream. It's like an iconic scene where they're like... Uh, they're pretty much... The killers reveal themselves to the protagonist of the film. And then they, they're they pretty much like, yo, we're going to frame you for all these murders. And they're telling Sidney, we're going to frame you for all these murders. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're going to make it believable. So they start stabbing each other to make it seem like they were in a struggle and that. Yeah. Know, they were innocent. So it kind of reminded me of that. But I don't think... I mean, I don't know. I don't really think that... I think this was part of the Axeman murders. Yeah. Because, I mean, I don't know. I, I just don't think that someone would... I think if someone was gonna hurt themselves, they wouldn't go to the extreme of hitting themselves in the head with an axe. That's extremely, like, dangerous.
1: Well, yeah, but it was also 1918. They probably didn't... Know any better, but what but I don't know. I mean people weren't like like I know they were disabled yeah. <laughs> Back in the day like <laughs> well, what? Well, I mean after hitting yourself in the head <laughs> with an axe
0: to me. I mean, yeah I don't know. I just feel like medical wow. science was so I gotta stick far up behind. I gotta stick time. up for my they... old my ancestors right now But <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> I don't even know. I'm just I'm really I'm just spitballing okay Cuz I know like medically speaking. Yeah, they were like far like inferior to what we have now Yeah, but I think like back in the day even like I think anyone knew, like, okay, don't get hit in the head, because that's, like, a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it's a. Uh, I don't know. I'm just, like I said, I'm just falling. <laughs> I'm just waiting for something to stick. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, okay, uh, so, yeah, so Harriet ended up dying. S- uh, surgery, I guess. I don't really know if she died due to surgery or, or if she died due to the wounds that she succumbed to. Yeah. I, I just, like, I mean, I classify it as a, the murder, you know. She was officially murdered by the Axeman. Yeah. Um, see, on August 5th, 1918 During the early hours of the evening The uh, eight months pregnant 28 year old Anna Schneider awoke to, awoke to find a dark shadowy figure Standing over her Watching her sleep As if it was waiting for her to register What was going on um, He then bashed her in the face repeatedly um, With a blunt object Her scalp had been cut open And her face was completely covered in blood Um, Miss Snyder was discovered after midnight by her husband, Ed Snyder, who was returning late from work that day or that evening. Um, Snyder claimed that she remembered nothing of the attack and ended up giving birth to a healthy baby girl a few weeks later, actually. Uh, So she survived the attack. Mm. Um, Her husband told police that nothing was stolen from the house besides six or seven dollars that had been in his wallet. The windows and doors of the apartment... Oh, well, 1918, that's a lot of money. That is, right? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, don't know. I don't know what uh, inflation... I'm not really sure just how much it would have been, but... Like, I don't know. I know it. Go on. Sorry. Uh, the windows and doors of the apartment appear to have like not been forced open, um, and authorities came to the conclusion that the woman was most likely attacked with a lamp that had been on a nearby table, because, you know, he used an object. He didn't use an axe at the time. Um, James Gleason who police said was an ex-convict Was arrested shortly after the Snyder Snyder was found. So after the Snyder attack this guy named James Gleason You know the police arrested him for the murder or attempted murder because he was an ex-convict But he was later released due to complete lack of evidence at the time and stated that he originally ran from authorities because he had often been arrested He'd been often arrested by the police, so he thought, like you know, they're just gonna arrest me again for something I didn't do. So mm-hmm. he ran. He, st- he said that's why the reason why he ran. Um, yeah. But yeah, so lead investigators began to publicly speculate that the attack was related to the previous incidents involving Bessemer, which was the German spy guy, <laughs> mm-hmm. and Maggio, the original, the first murders. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. So another another instance where he was like unsuccessful in, in a murder attempt. Yeah. I guess. Uh, Another thing that I find curious about this so far also is just like there's no There's no appears to be no motive that I can see so far like there's no sexual um, Like assault going on. It's just straight up like I'm gonna beat your head and like bash your head in, you know Yeah, which is interesting because usually there's like a a Motive or sex is somehow involved in it. Yeah, you know, Um, but yeah, so I found that interesting Um, and so for the fourth attack Um, this fourth attack would really propel the Axeman into the spotlight of the media uh, and spread, like, panic, citywide panic, um, for the citizens of New Orleans, essentially. Um, it was August 10th of 1918, just five days after the attack of Anna Schneider. Joseph Romano was an elderly man living with his two nieces Pauline and Mary Bruno. Pauline and Mary awoke to the sound of a commotion in the adjoining room where their uncle resided. Upon entering the room, the sisters discovered that their uncle had taken a serious blow to his head, which resulted in two open uh, cuts. The assailant was fleeing the scene as they arrived. So the girls were able to distinguish some like key characteristics of the person. So when they got there, they, they actually saw this guy running away. Like, so they this is really the first legit sighting that we get, uh, eyewitness account of the Axeman. Um, so what they said was that he was a dark-skinned man. He was heavy-set. Um, he wore a dark suit and a slouched hat um, Which I have no idea what a slouched hat is, <laughs> but let me look it up. That's yeah, we're
1: sp- both googling now
0: slouched hat Oh, I see it's kind of like a it's kind of like a cowboy hat cowboy Western Slouch hat mm. Slouch. Uh, Yeah Kind of like a Western cowboy hat, maybe a little bigger. Don't know. No, I think it's actually smaller. You think it's smaller?
1: Yeah. Oh my. This has nothing to do with anything, but I'm Google searching slouch hat and look at the second image.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what he wore during the. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're <the guy>. uh, <laughs> it's like an oversized. Oversized. <laughs> it's a completely I mean, oversized hat. If y'all if you if
1: you're I don't know how long it'll Google will set the uh will we'll have the pictures organized like this, but if you're listening right now, go ahead and Google Slouch hat and click on images and you'll see this wide brim oversized hat.
0: <laughs> on about, Etsy.
1: On Etsy for like seventy nine ninety nine. It's literally it's the like,
0: size of the model.
1: It is yeah, it's like Probably Its diameter is probably the same as her height like it's <laughs> It's huge and floppy. I don't know Strap it to your head jump off a building and you'll probably glide. I don't know. <laughs> That's a good point So don't try that just be safe. Don't try that <laughs> Go on. So
0: we know that we now have like a pretty good like physical description of the of the guy um, They weren't able to see his face um, but he was, you know, dark-skinned, heavy heavyset, kn- we knew he was tall, so probably over six foot. Um, yeah, and he was thick, you know, with two C's, as the <laughs> as, as kids say these days. As the kids say. He was thick. He was thick. Uh, Romano, although seriously injured, was able to walk to the ambulance once it arrived, yet he died um, two days later due to severe head trauma. The home had been ransacked, yet no items were stolen from the Romano residence. Authorities found- So he basically just made a mess. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like-
1: (laughs) I mean, there's probably a struggle. That's probably why.
0: Yeah. I mean, he was older, but yeah, there was definitely- I mean, he probably was fighting for his life. Oh, yeah. Authorities found a bloody axe in the backyard and discovered that a panel on the black door had been chiseled away, as he usually does. Um, and the Romano murder created a state of extreme chaos in the city, with residents living in constant fear of an axe man attack. Police received a slew of reports in which citizens claimed to have seen an axe man lurking in the New Orleans neighborhoods. A few men even called to report that they had found axes in their backyards. Um, which is... Kind of interesting, a lot of people at the time, once this third murder happened, so this third murder, like I said, propelled the Axeman to like, notoriety and kind of fame yeah. in New Orleans, so everyone kind of became paranoid, you know, it was like a, I forgot what the word is, but it's like a mass paranoia, I'm sure there's a word for it. Mass panic. Yeah, and, um, so everyone felt, everyone started claiming that they saw axes in their backyard, like, left in their backyard, that they claimed didn't belong to them, so they took yeah. that as, okay, that means that I'm next, like. Which, I don't know, like, if they really saw what they said they saw, or if they were just seeing things, or, I don't know. You
1: know, I don't put it past some, like, (laughs) some, like, assholes who are like, let's, let's fuck with people. Oh, yeah, like, they're not even related to
0: the murders. Yeah, they're just just trying to, like, continue scaring people. Yeah, stir the pot. For sure, I can see that for sure. Yeah. Um, A few men even called to report that they had found axes in their backyards. Uh, John D'Antonio... A then retired Italian detective made public statements in which he hypothesized that the man who had committed the Axeman murders was the same who had killed several individuals uh, back in the year 1911, which would have been seven years before the first Axeman murder, the first confirmed Axeman murder. Uh, But this detective, uh, his theory was that this man had killed before and um, he'd killed seven years earlier. Uh, The retired detective cites similarities in the manner by which the two sets of homicides had been committed as reason to assume that they had been conducted by the same individual. Uh, D'Antonio described the potential killer as an individual of dual personalities who killed without motive. This type of individual, D'Antonio stated, could very likely have been a normal law abiding citizen who was often, you know, overcome by an overwhelming desire to kill. Um, kind of describes him as like a real life Dr. Jackal, Mr. Hyde type of thing. Yeah. Um, so that's just like a theory that he threw out there. I mean, on that note, I was starting
1: to suspect, but I mean, some of the descriptions you listed make it sound like it was one person. But I was going to say, like, what if it was actually a group of people? Because they never killed exactly in the same
0: way. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a good point. Yeah. And um, th- we're going to get into theories later on once we kind of cover all the murders. But yeah, that is one of the theories is that it was multiple people, not just one. Yeah. Um, it was around this time that people began reporting seeing axes found in their backyard all over town, and many believed that if one was found in your backyard, that meant that the Axeman was coming after you next. Like, they thought that you would surely, assuredly would be the, the next victim. Um, the Axeman's crime spree only intensified after this, as his next attack would be an attack on a family. The, let me see, okay, the pronunciation of this, I want to make sure I got it right. The Cordomiglia, yeah, Cordomiglia family. Um, Charles Cortemiglia was an Italian immigrant who lived with his wife Rosie and an infant daughter Mary on the corner of Jefferson Avenue and 2nd Street in Gretna, Louisiana. uh, Gretna was a New Orleans suburb across like the Mississippi River. Mm. Um, On the night of March 10th 1919 screams were heard coming from the Cortemiglia residence. Grocer Lorlando Giordano Um, who was a nearby grocer, he heard the screams coming from that residence and he rushed across the street to investigate. Upon his arrival, Giordano noticed that Charles Cordemiglia and his wife and their daughter had all been attacked by an unknown intruder. Um, Rosie stood in the doorway with a serious head wound, clutching her deceased daughter. Uh, Charles was laying on the floor, bleeding profusely. The couple was rushed to Charity Hospital, where it was discovered that both had suffered skull fractures. Nothing was stolen from the house, but a panel on the back door had been chiseled away and a bloody axe was found on the back porch of the home So we're already seeing, you know, the same kind of MO Um, Charles was released two days later while his wife remained in the care of doctors Upon gaining full consciousness Rosie made claims that Lorlando Giordano and his 18 year old son Frank were responsible for the attacks So just to start right there real quick um, Yeah lorlando giordano was the guy who found them who heard the screams and like went to investigate and he found them like attacked or whatever so again now we're suspecting the person who found them yeah exactly um uh, yeah so mrs cortomiglia is claiming that this other grocer giordano is the one responsible for the attack mm-hmm. so i mean we'll see what happens here um because i have no idea what's gonna happen. I'm kidding (laughs) Says the guy with all the research (laughs) Totally kidding Uh, Yeah so (laughs) L'Orlando The weird thing about this was like This claim was kind of like Outlandish Because L'Orlando was actually a 69 year old Man uh, Who was like in poor health And his health was too poor to have committed the crimes At least so his police believed And Frank Frank Giordano which was his son um, He was more than 6 feet tall and weighing over 200 pounds um, he would have been too large to fit through the panel on the back door.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so Charles it it's important to note Charles, which is the wife, I mean, not the wife, yeah. Charles, which is the husband to the wife. Yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever his <laughs> lifestyle is, it's okay. No yeah, judgment. Back, <laughs> back then they would have kept it secret, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But Charles, um, he vehemently disagreed with his wife. So he denied his wife's claims that it was the Lorlando's, you know, mm-hmm. fault, um, he disagreed with him and police nonetheless arrested though, the police arrested the two men and charged them with murder. The fuck? Yeah, so that's fucked up. So uh, now I get your whole theory about not wanting to report a dead body because <laughs> shit like this could happen. Yeah. Because people could accuse you when all you did was find the body, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so the police actually arrested these guys, these two people. Um, the men would later be found guilty, which is even crazier. What the They were actually found guilty for the murders. See! I told you! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, honestly. I Never mind my PSA. <laughs> don't report shit! <laughs> oh, Mother man. Nature will take care of it. Yeah. Leave uh, it there. It'll- they're biodegradable, so the bodies will just- You are biodegradable, this is decompose true. Decompose and feed the grass. Um, the worms and the local-
1: the local animals. <laughs> local-
0: yeah.
1: I mean, we have boars in Texas. They'll eat you, that's for sure.
0: Do we really have boars?
1: Yeah, we do, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've seen them. They're cute but they're also um, a little vicious. They're territorial, so Um, if you see one, don't
0: try to pet it. Walk away. (laughs) Slowly walk away.
1: Yes, very slowly.
0: Yeah, so the men would be found guilty of murder. Frank, who was the 18-year-old son, uh, was sentenced to hang, and his father was sentenced to life in prison. Charles Cordomiglia divorced his wife after the trial uh, almost a year later. Rosie announced that yeah, she got two innocent dudes killed. In yeah, yeah, well Essentially you guys you got them, you know Well, we'll see almost a year later Rosie announced that she had falsely accused the two out of jealousy and spite Okay, <laughs> yeah, so when I like I've done research on this or whatever when I initially heard um, the case of the Axman murders and this was never mentioned like all these things about like the German spy thing
1: mm-hmm. I think
0: that was probably mentioned but the whole this part of the case like the Court family I'm gonna call it, call it the Court uh, drama cause like this part of the case was never mentioned by any other podcast that I heard or any other YouTube videos which I thought was really interesting cause I was like this is a super interesting part of the case like I think that's just like even if it's just extra drama like it's yeah. very interesting so, um, yeah, that, that's, you heard it here first on this podcast, not to brag or anything, but, um, uh, the first one to do it, I think, just kidding, probably, <laughs> probably not, Yeah. but probably, no yeah. one's really the first to do
1: anything, I feel like, but. Nothing new under the sun, they say.
0: Yeah, that's true. But, okay, so, yeah, so essentially this chick was like, okay, the so. guy who found me, he's, he's guilty and his son's guilty, they're responsible for the attacks. Yeah. His police are like, okay, and then the husband's like, no, 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 my wife is, I definitely disagree with my wife, it wasn't him. And yeah. don't you think the husband wouldn't know? Because, um, I don't know, he was attacked too, and he was there? Yeah. The police are dumb, and they're like, nah, your wife's right. There, we need someone to blame, so we're gonna blame these two people. Yeah. So, the two men are sentenced, you know, to life in prison, One sentenced to hang, essentially. And then, um, what is a year later, she, well, she ends up getting a divorce from her husband, I mean, I would, too, because the bitch crazy. And then, <laughs> and then, like, a year later... Told you she's crazy. She crazy. She crazy. A year later, Rosie was just like, just kidding. I was just... <laughs>
1: just kidding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I, you you know. can unhang that guy now. <laughs> 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 you
1: can dig him up. and dig him up. <laughs> he can have another shot at life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I'm just kidding. I falsely accused him. Like, that's so fucked up. I feel like people who falsely accuse someone of a felony and like that person found, be found guilty, like they should face jail time. You know that should be like that should be a felony itself. Have you accused someone of rape or like murder? Like I
1: could have sworn it was like technically that's lying in a court of law. Like isn't that I mean, uh, isn't that against the? I mean, I'd definitely, uh, a crime? I definitely crime.
0: I mean, I think so. I don't know. I'm not like a detective or a lawyer, but I, it sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was because this is America. Um, hmm. So, yeah, anyway, so she she confessed that it was a st- falsely accused, you know? It was a story she made up. She was jealous of them, and she made up that story. Her statement was the only evidence against the Giordanos at the time, and they were released from jail shortly thereafter. So he, he never actually got hung, thankfully. Oh, okay. Yeah, she, she confessed before he died, but yeah, that would have been bad. Um, a bloody axe was also found in the backyard of the Cortemiglia residence uh, at the time of the attack as well. Three days after the attack of the Court of Miglia family, the axe man would pen a letter and have it sent to the local New Orleans newspaper for publication. So I'm going to read you the, uh, I'm going to read the letter that the axe man in New Orleans sent to the newspaper for publication. It reads as follows. Hell, March 13th, 1919. Esteemed mortals of New Orleans. Mortals. <laughs> yeah. Already got to Already a, <laughs> Exactly. They have never caught me and they never will. They have never seen me for I am invisible. Even as the ether that surrounds your earth, I am not a human being but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you Orleanians and your foolish police call the Axemen. When I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know whom they shall be. I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe, be smeared with blood and brains of he who I have sent below to keep me company. If you wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I am a reasonable spirit. I take no offense at the way they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as to not only assume me, but his satanic majesty, Francis, Joseph, etc. But tell them to beware. Let them not try to discover what I am, for it were better that they were never born than to incur the wrath of the Axeman. I don't think there is any need of such a warning, for I feel sure the police will always dodge me as they have in the past. They are wise and know how to keep away from all harm. Undoubtedly, you Orleanians think of me as a most horrible murderer, which I am, but I could be much worse if I wanted to. If I wished, I could pay a visit to your city every night. At will, I could slay thousands of your best citizens, and the worst, for I am in close relationship with the angel of death. Now to be exact, at 1215, earthly time, on next Tuesday night, I am going to pass over New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I am going to make a little proposition to you people. Here it is. I am very fond of jazz music, and I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared in whose home a jazz band is in full swing, at the time I have just mentioned. If everyone has a jazz band going, well then, so much the better for you people. One thing is certain, and that is that some of you people who do not jazz it out on that specific Tuesday night, if there be any, will get the ax. Well, as I am cold and crave the warmth of my native Tartarus, and it is about time I leave your earthly home, I will seize my discourse, hoping that thou will publish this, that it may go well with thee, I have been, am and will be the worst spirit that ever existed, either in fact or realm of fancy, the Axeman. So, uh, yeah. There you go. That was the Axeman's only one and only letter that he sent uh the New Orleans uh, newspaper. I forgot what the name of the newspaper was called.
1: My first thought is, oh, so he really uh, did say that shit about the jazz bands. Yeah. He, I, I thought that might have just been like a
0: like a Thing they made up. He had an I affinity know. for jazz. Mm. Well, I think, because uh, I think what you were saying was that he was a jazz musician. We have no like evidence that he was a musician. Yeah, the, that was a myth. Like, again, I, I hate to constantly be re- referencing American Horror Story.
1: Not Like, too my, my life does go beyond that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that was like all I've heard about this story, and I was like, I wonder if he really said that, because it almost sounds made up. It's a little cheesy. <laughs> like, um, uh, but apparently it was for real. Okay.
0: No, it is. It is definitely for real. Um, he, I don't know, it's just some of the language he used in this letter is, like, hilarious to me. Like. Yeah, I
1: know. It's like, at one point, he's, like, trying to speak, like, in this old world English, and then all of a sudden he says, you need to jazz it out. Like, okay. Jazz it? Yeah, exactly. I was like, jazz, jazz it, it out. out.
0: <laughs> I was like, What? <laughs> Uh, all right I guess um satanic majesty. and then he
1: mentioned yeah I was about to say that's the thing that got me googling was his satanic majesty Francis Joseph the only thing I pulled up on a Francis Joseph was an emperor of Austria who apparently had died just a couple years before the, uh, the whole Axman thing but uh, really so who is he um, Did he do something? Let's see, Like as it reads from here, Francis Joseph I was emperor of Austria, king of Hungary, Croatia, and Bohemia, and monarch of other states of the uh, Austro-Hungarian Empire from the 2nd of December, 1848, until his death, which was in uh, November 21st, 1916. Uh, let's see, it says, from... May 1850 to August 1866, he was also president of the German Confederation, so, uh, not 100% sure what that so, is. So but, he didn't uh, do
0: anything crazy?
1: Uh, I mean, this is just a little tiny, uh, note that Google's giving me from Wikipedia. Just a lot of, like, political shit. I'm not seeing anything, like... Crazy, like Nero or anything? Yeah, no, so I'm not really sure if this is, this probably isn't... The Francis Joseph he was talking about or Who knows, maybe it was and there's just something more we have to research on this.
0: It sounds like a nerd wrote this. <laughs> like like you just like, hmm, what sounds the what sounds the most clever? <laughs> Our satanic majesty. Satanic majesty. Yeah,
1: Francis Joseph.
0: Jazz it out. Jazz it out.
1: You jazzy cats, you... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I
0: was like, okay, it's, it's a very interesting letter you wrote here. But apparently, I mean, like, it spooked New Orleans once they got this letter. They are like, see, we're right, it's a demon. Like, we knew it, it's a spirit. Yeah, which is why I was
1: going to say, and you're probably going to get into this shit later, but I have to ask. Go on. Um, have there been any records of any similar series of murders since
0: then? Uh mm-hmm. Good question. I haven't looked it up, to be honest with you. But... I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that if there were, someone would have already, like, made the connection. But maybe not. Yeah. But I feel like someone would have. I mean, this was a pretty old case. But to answer your question, no, I haven't, I haven't looked into it. Um, so I'm not exactly sure. But I have my own theories as to what really is happening or what really happened. So, but we'll get into that once we're done with all the murders. So, the sixth attack was the attack of Steve Boca, a grocer. He was attacked in his bedroom as he slept by an axe-wielding intruder on August 10th, 1919. Boca awoke during the night to find a dark figure looming over his bed. Upon regaining consciousness, Boca ran to the street to investigate the intrusion and and found that his head had been cracked open. The grocer ran to the home of his neighbor, Frank Genusa, where he lost consciousness and collapsed. Nothing had been taken from the home, yet once again a panel on the back door of the home had been chiseled away. Boko recovered from his injuries but could not remember any details of the trauma. Um, the attack was also the first attack to take place after the emergence of the infamous Axeman letter. So obviously he's still struck after that. Also, it's also important to note, I can't believe I glossed over it, but it's also important to note that the night he was referencing in the, in the letter, mm-hmm. um, I think he said Tuesday night, um, No no murders took place that day, no attacks took place. So, but it's also important to note that like, there was like a mass like m- migration to jazz clubs and people were hiring a bunch of jazz bands to like go to their house and then they were inviting families and friends over just to like be safe. Uh to protect I got themselves. it. It's a conspiracy. Business was bad. <laughs> Dude, okay So we do get into That's one of the theories actually oh, right. So we'll get into it But yeah So essentially Like it was a really good night For jazz musicians Oh shit, yeah <laughs> Yeah, which is great for Michael Because he's a at the jazz band. musician What did you play, Michael? What did you play, I played Michael? a saxophone Saxophone?
1: Yeah, I played tenor sax and jazz band Damn Whew. First chair, bitches. (laughs) Out of of two. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, the jazz band was just, like, the essentials. Four trumpets, four trombones, and then four saxes, two alto, two tenor. Uh, Ah, see. Actually, we did have someone play baritone sax, too. So there was five
0: saxes, but, yeah. Nice. First chair out of two. Yeah. King shit right there. King (laughs) shit. You're like, hell yeah. King shit. Um... Yeah, so, yeah, so important to note that everyone was, you know, going to jazz bars that night, hiring jazz musicians, no attacks took place, but this attack on... But everyone got real jazzy. Everyone jazzed it out, (laughs) as the Axemen would say. Jazzed it out. Jazzed it out. I'm going to start using that. Yeah, hashtag jazzed jazzed it out. out. (laughs) Hashtag jazzed it out. Uh, Make a shirt that says that. Hashtag jazzed it out. Put there that on go. some merch, you know? Put it on some merch. Oh, because the let other thing- Let us know in the comments. Yeah, let, know. <laughs> <Or> <laughs> let us know you're if you wear that. that. <laughs> Hashtag Jazz It Out. But like, there was another thing we were going to put on some merch was, uh, was- Oh, yeah. Something that we said during, uh, during, during the, the- Toy Box Killer Toy case. Box Killer case. <laughs> yeah. And apparently we said it off air. I thought we said it on air. No, yeah. We had mentioned
1: that we were going to try to squeeze it in on air, and then we never did. Yeah. We got way off track. But uh, it was, uh, what it, you said it actually. I, I had said it because we were talking about uh, BDSM and how it became more popular and I said, like, yeah, it seems like, uh, it seems like Choke Me Daddy is the mantra of a generation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> choke Me Daddy, the mantra of a generation. Yeah, we're gonna, were gonna put like, that, we need to put that on a shirt. We're going to put that on shirts, <laughs> we're going to put that on bracelets, it's going to be huge. In the words of Donald Trump, it's going to be huge. <laughs> and no, I don't support Donald <laughs> Trump. This merch is going to
1: sell better than any merch that we've ever made before. (laughs) Better than any merch that's ever been sold before. This is going to be the biggest thing. It's going to be the biggest thing. It's going to be huge.
0: Huge. so Massive. (laughs) I'm kidding. Massive. So Steve Boca was the first attack since that uh, Axeman letter. So obviously uh, he didn't really die though. He recovered from his injuries. Mm -hmm. So... Unsuccessful there. Uh, The seventh attack would be the attack of Sarah Lawman. I think that's your it. Lawman. Uh, She was attacked on the night of September 3rd, 1919. So neighbors came to check on the young woman who had lived alone and they broke into the home when she didn't answer. So I guess they were like knocking on the door. They heard some commotion. She didn't answer so they broke into her home to check on her. They discovered the 19 year old girl lying unconscious on her bed, suffering from a severe head injury and missing several teeth. The intruder had entered the apartment through an an open window and attacked the woman with a blunt object. A bloody axe was discovered on the front lawn of the building. Uh, And this is actually an interesting detail considering that she had not been hit over the head or attacked with an axe. Lawman recovered from her injuries yet couldn't recall any details from the attack. Wait, so they... Found a bloody axe? Say that again? Yeah, so they, they found, found... a bloody axe, but there's no evidence that she was attacked with an axe? Yeah, she wasn't attacked with an axe. But they found an axe in her front yard. Yeah. Well, that doesn't make any sense. I know. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> this whole case doesn't really make a lot of sense. This is a weird. This feels like... This... <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: This almost feels like a really poorly written story as-
0: Yeah, right, like-, <laughs> like Oh my god. <laughs> like, uh- It's like, is this even true? A fiction- a fiction novel. Oh my god. You're just throwing different twists and turns
1: in there. <laughs> Jesus okay. Christ. Plot twist. Plot, Plot twist. twist again.
0: Plot twist on the previous twist that twists us into a new twist. But, um, yeah, to play devil's advocate, I think- The act- like, everyone had an axe, you know, back in the day? Like, a lot of people had an axe, it was very common. Yeah. So, like, to find it on the front. I mean, I have one. one yeah, you have one just laying around? <laughs> you don't? I, <laughs> I mean, like, to find an axe in the front yard, is it that really that big of a. I don't know. I guess maybe it is because she was attacked. And I don't know how many people would keep an axe in their front yard. I feel like it's more like a backyard thing. I don't know. That, that's, you know, it's part of the mystery here. But the final attack associated with the Axeman is the attack on Mike Pepitone. And so this is kind of another weird one, and this is where one of the theories is tied into this last attack. So the final attack was on Mike Pepitone. Um, He was attacked on the night of October 27th, 1919. His wife was awakened by a noise and arrived at the door of his bedroom just as two men were fleeing the scene. Uh, Mike Pepitone had been struck in the head and was covered in his own blood blood spatter covered the majority of the room, including a painting of the Virgin Mary. Mrs. Pepitone, the mother of six children, was unable to describe any characteristics of the killer. Uh, The Pepitone murder was the last of the alleged Axeman attacks. Um, After this final attack, the Axeman suddenly vanished just as quickly as he had sprung up in the spotlight. This was after the letter, right? This was after the whole Jazz Night and everything? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And no one would see or hear from the Axeman ever again after this attack. Um, the city of New Orleans was still gripped with fear um, for a while, but the fear soon like, faded as time passed and no Axeman attacks occurred. Yeah. But yeah, that, that was the last of the Axeman attacks. Um, so now we can get into theories as to you know, what was going on here. Um, so, there, I mean, and there are, there are a lot of theories out there as to what was happening with this case or who the Axeman was, so let's get into some. Uh, One theory is that perhaps not all the killings were done by the Axeman. Um, It is specifically theorized that the last murder may have been a mafia killing, Mm -hmm. and that the second murder of Harriet Lowe could have possibly been a domestic dispute gone wrong, since she accused him of attacking her. Yeah. Um, Some even suggest that some of these murders could be the work of a copycat killer. So just Mm -hmm. someone trying to like, capitalize on, you know, yeah. the fame and notoriety of that Axeman killer. Um, so yeah, that, that's a theory, you know. Um, it's done. Some people say that you know, mafia. Um, some people say that it was multiple killers. Yeah. So the second theory is that the Axeman was a spirit or a supernatural entity that could get into homes through small spaces or holes and then transform into the large dark skin. Axe-wielding man that multiple witnesses described as their attacker. Mm-hmm. They use this, along with the letter sent to the newspaper, as proof of the supernatural nature of the axe man. Mm. So that—that's what's interesting about this case, too. That's something that, like, obviously this case is unsolved, but something that I find very particular, very um, interesting about this case is that the way the axe man would get into his victims' homes. Supposedly it would seem through is through the the chiseled back panel, you know? You'd Which do... on that note, I mean if it really was
1: like a demon spirit or whatever, why would he need an opening in the first place? That's true. That's a great point. Couldn't they just go I, I mean I was to suspect they'd go through walls. They could creep through cracks in your ceiling. Like I mean uh, uh doesn't is... need to chisel something open.
0: That's very true. It's a great point. I, didn't even think I that. just, I just stumped you on that one. Yeah, you stumped <laughs> me on that. I think, um, uh, that's, that's true, you know, but you know, who are we to determine what rules demons have to follow? Maybe they have to go through doors. Uh, depending on what spiritualism
1: you subscribe to. Exactly. Uh, uh, I subscribe. We are the ones who kind of make the, <laughs> well, we don't make the rules, but they do have to like, listen to us depending on what, what your like, your belief power, is. Or, yeah. Or whatever, yeah. you know, like in what we were raised in you all you have to do is tell them to leave and they can leave, yeah,
0: Christians believe that I don't know everyone has their own like theory about it, and even when I did like the Ouija board episode, which is yeah. the first episode, everyone has their own beliefs as to like because with the Ouija board people believe that like oh you just you got to tell it goodbye in order mm-hmm. for it to, as long as you say goodbye and you close it out correctly, they can't stay yeah. but but and my my comeback was, and I'm not even coming from a point of like a religious contention yeah, um, or anything like that like yeah. just coming as like a double yeah. advocate, pure right. skeptic here yeah. what what's who's to say that the demon would have to listen to you you know yeah you know, just because you said goodbye to a spirit it's gonna leave you if I was a fucking demon trying yeah. to like cause chaos and torment people yeah. I wouldn't listen to you you know like what yeah. power do you have over me so that's when people say well you close it out and you, you'll be fine I'm like uh, I don't know about that I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't believe, believe that so yeah so I mean I guess that is a good point though about the, the demon thing? I mean, I personally had never thought it was a demon. Or anything. Yeah, the axe man. no. I don't
1: believe the Axeman's a demon. Honestly, to me, that's the most interesting, intriguing theory, and I would actually kind of want that one to be the...
0: It just oh. seems more interesting. Oh, the it demon just thing? It seems cooler than... Oh, it than, does, for
1: sure. ...than a uh, fucking... Uh, that's why I was like, is there any records of like like, the same thing happening again? That'd be crazy. Like he came back, like he comes back every so often
0: I don't know. Like Jeepers Creepers. <laughs> yeah. Every 23 years, for 23 days, he comes back and he eats. You ever seen Jeepers Creepers? No. Damn, you need to see
1: it. It's There's a lot of shit I need to see. Yeah, for real. In like every genre, like I'm I live under a rock.
0: Bro, what are you doing? Living under a rock. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Starr.
1: I was gonna say I'm Patrick Star and it over here. Just...
0: Yeah, for real. Um... But yeah, so I don't, I don't believe it's a spiritual spiritual entity or anything like that, or demon, but I mean, some people do actually believe this, um, especially because the letter they say it was creepy or whatever. I was like, I don't know any demons that write letters. But I, I don't know. It's don't interesting. Cheese. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's very cheese, if you ask me. But um, the third theory is that Joseph Mumphrey was the Axeman. Joseph Mumphrey, so a little bit about this theory, like if you remember the wife of the final victim, the mm-hmm. Mike Pe- uh, Pepitone was the final victim. Yeah. His wife, Esther Pepitone, she survived the attack, essentially, and she witnessed, remember she witnessed two men fling the crime scene? Two. Yeah, two. Mm-hmm. That's why some people were like, oh, well, the Axe man's multiple people. Or that's yeah. why some people were like, oh, it's a mafia killing. Yeah. it was two people. Um, well, Esther, she moved to Los Angeles and remarried after her, the murder of her husband. Yeah. Um, her second husband's name was Angelo Al... Al- Albano? Albano? Albano, albano. Oh, I was gonna say it's albano. It's A L B A N O. Alb. A L. Albano. A L B A N N O. Oh, albano, albano. I'll say albano anyway. just for yeah. Spanish purposes. <laughs> okay, so Angela Albano was the name of her second husband. Yeah. Um, however, on the second anniversary, this is the interesting part too. On the second anniversary of her husband Mike's death by the Axemen, her second husband Angelo disappeared and was never found again. Mm. Uh, which is super weird. Um, Esther recalled that just before his disappearance, Angelo had ended business dealings with a man who went by many names, including the name Joseph Mumphrey. On December 5th, 1921, Mumfrey visited Esther's home in LA and demanded $500 and her jewelry. Um, he threatened to kill her, saying, I would kill you the same way I killed your husband. However, Esther... Like a badass, she pulled out her pistol and shot him hmm. and killed him. So, yeah, so Esther told authorities that Mumfrey was the axe man and that she had seen him run from her first husband's bedroom when he was slain. Police determined that there was some evidence linking Mumfrey to Pepitone's death. Upon further investigation, police also discovered that Mumfrey led a blackmailing gang in New Orleans that targeted Italians. Almost all of the Axeman's victims were Italian, so, you know, what a coincidence. Mumphrey was in and out of prison for the past ten years, and his time out of prison coincided with the Axeman attacks. However, police have determined that there was not enough evidence to suggest that Mumphrey was the Axeman, and that eyewitnesses are often wrong. So that, that's the third theory that people believe that Joseph Mumfrey was the Axeman. See, that's the most believable one. You think so? Yeah.
1: Which shits on my demon theory. I <laughs> like the demon You're
0: all pissed. I like the demon one. <laughs> oh, <You're all pissed. laughs> like <the> <laughs> uh, man, I know. I know how disappointed Dory is not a demon. I'm kind of disappointed, too. I mean, I think it would be cool to see a demon just running around. <laughs> <laughs> running around with a slouch hat and a, a, a saxophone and an axe. You know, oh, listening okay. to jazz. Jazzing it out. Jazzing it out. That would be the coolest demon I ever ever seen, Honestly, <laughs> seriously, that's a swanky ass <laughs> demon, right? <or laughs> Dang, that's a swanky <laughs> demon. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess you could say. I, so you think that's the most believable one? Yeah. I mean, I guess so th- far, unless you got another one up your sleeve. Oh, I got plenty. I'm just kidding. I don't know. We'll see. Well, like, well, what was the first theory? Uh, that oh, that it was just a. That, mafia that it wasn't. Thing? No, or- the second theory was that it was mafia. The first one was that they weren't all done by the Axe Man, like... Oh, that it was a group of people. It was a group of people, there was, people, yeah. there was copycat killers. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess I can I can kind of see, like, the third one being a viable option, because, like, what what's interesting, what's probably most compelling to me, like, pointing to Joseph Mumphrey, is the fact that he ran a blackmailing gang, like, that targeted Italian-American. Yeah. And he this blackmailing gang was in New Orleans, which is where all the crimes happened. Yeah. And, like... You know, plus you have Esther saying it was him and she supposedly saw who killed her husband. But I don't really take witnesses like I take their like, testimony with a grain of salt because as you can tell, we've had two past instance, instances already where people said like, oh, that's the killer. like, And it do- and definitely wasn't. And then it wasn't. Yeah. yeah, like that chick, Harriet Lowe, who accused oh, yeah. her lover, and then that uh, one lady, who accused you guys. Yeah, yeah Miss Cordemiglia who she Almost accused. Almost got someone hung. Yeah, exactly, there you go. It. So it's like, those were eyewitnesses, quote, unquote, so, yeah. I don't know, but I mean, I guess that's... Oh. Well,
1: I mean, like, uh, an eyewitness who is of sound mind, I think, could be definitely trusted, but someone who just went through trauma, and like, I mean, was in the middle of the struggle, probably didn't get a good look at anything. So probably got their yeah thoughts all mixed up and tossed around because they were just in the middle of almost getting fucking murdered. Like, it's kinda hard to sort shit out when your adrenaline's pumping
0: like that, I guess. True. I mean, Esther kinda experienced trauma too, though. Both of her husbands. Oh, like. uh, yeah, both of them, yeah. So, I mean, can't really believe her. Oh. <laughs> You're like, damn. Well, she was attacked too, wasn't she? But uh, she survived it? She's the first
1: one. Yeah. Yeah, on the first one she was... Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. But... Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. She was attacked. She almost died. Anyway,
0: go on. <laughs> <That's been>
1: just,
0: <laughs> you're just looking to be like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, sure. I don't yeah. know. I just... I don't know. I have a hard... Yeah. <laughs> I, honestly, I don't believe Esther. I don't really... I don't really know. Well, I mean, I'm just
1: kind of like... Yeah, I'm just kind of like supporting your reasoning for not... Uh, believing them. Believing them. Like... I mean, which is a shame, because it feels like, you know, you should believe the victim, but at the same time, it's like, you, you're right, you have to take it with a grain of salt, because maybe they've got all the details mixed up in their head, because they're, they're just reeling from the shit that they just went through.
0: Yeah, and they, or they can have their own motives, like uh, Mrs. Cortemiglia, who's jealous and spiteful of that grocer. Oh yeah, and then that bitch who just totally lied. Yeah, <laughs> There's a lot of, I mean, the world is a twisted place. Yeah. But another interesting theory that I came across... Uh, It did not have so much to do with, like, the Axeman, who, like, who the Axeman was, but rather, like, who the true author of the letter was. Oh, yeah. A theory I came across suggests that the person who wrote the letter most likely was not the actual person committing the crimes, but rather someone who had something to gain or could benefit from exploiting the Axeman's murders and using fear as a tool for marketing. To be more specific... It was a marketing firm. A jazz musician. Yeah. No, I'm serious. To yeah. be more specific, a jazz musician. Yeah. And this is one of the theories. And this is another. This is yeah. another theory that was never like touched on by any podcast or like YouTube video that I ever saw. You know, while looking into the case. Mm-hmm. So you know, like I said, not to brag, but this podcast is pretty awesome because I'm covering things that most people don't really cover. Like I've never heard this theory of being touched on. But <laughs> you just drink your freaking drink. He's giving me, like, the ugliest look right now. <laughs> what, what, a, what an asshole. <laughs> you're not supportive at all, I thought you were my friend. <laughs> I mean, you're paying me, aren't you? I'm kidding, he's not paying <laughs> me. Um, let's see, okay, yeah, okay, so in the summer of 1918, along with this theory, uh, summer of 1918, the Times Picayune ran an editorial piece that was, like, trashing jazz. Um, they were saying it was not even music, it was just noise. So jazz was. Um, I mean, have you heard jazz fusion? <laughs> right. That's I mean, weird. I
1: love jazz, but even there's <laughs> some times where I'm like, "Somebody's on acid. <laughs> <laughs>
0: or cocaine. Yeah. Can you get like riled up, with cocaine? Yeah. Um, yeah. J- jazz was like loved by the youth when it I was just
1: trying to remember. Did they do that at the time? Yeah. The oh, was it probably? Yeah, cocaine, cocaine, heroin. I think, is heroin heroin the same thing as opium, or is it a variant of opium? I have no idea. Because I know opium was a big thing in the 20s, 20s, 30s. Wild
0: West, a lot of opium was done in the Wild West. Oh, yeah. Anyway, go on. (laughs) Yeah, um, Yeah. well, like, jazz, like, in the the emergence of jazz, I mean, you know this, obviously, it was, like, it was loved by youth, and and those Mm -hmm. with open minds loved it, but many actually hated it and called it the devil's music. Yeah, I was going to mention that all of this shit about... Demons
1: and his satanic majesty and all this shit. I'm like this does not <laughs> Help the case at
0: all. It really doesn't and the uh, thing about it is it's funny that they refer to jazz as devil's music cuz like mm-hmm. Jazz is, well, I mean cuz like nowadays, you know, yeah, everyone listens to well When people listen to jazz, you don't think devil's music. No, you don't like yeah, no. Shit
1: groovy yeah it's just groovy or if you're like some if you're like a shithead and you're like it's old it's boring yeah
0: yeah yeah. Yeah. I mean I think with any like new like um genre music they call the devil's music like rock and roll but see that's just the interesting
1: thing though I was gonna point out is jazz is gave way to blues blues gave way to rock and roll rock and roll to metal like Mm,
0: and all of them always got called the devil's music really yeah so maybe jazz is the devil's music. It probably Because it all started with jazz, right? Yeah. Well, well what, what gave birth to jazz? Like, what influenced jazz? Oh, I don't even fucking know. Who? It wasn't... No, you're thinking
1: of blues, uh, ghost. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're thinking of... Because Rob, Robert Johnson was, uh, like, the most notorious blues, uh, blues right. musician. He sold his soul to the devil. And yeah, they, uh, they said that he sold his soul to the devil at the crossroads. I forgot which exactly were the roads, but... Uh, yeah, that he sold his soul to the devil for blues fame to be a big musician. But uh, I think that came shortly after, like, jazz was even a thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Makes sense. Wow, so maybe jazz really is a devil's music. That's <laughs> freaking awesome, so that's cool. <laughs> um <clears throat> Yeah, so, I mean, it was obviously highly controversial when it first began you know when it was first like introduced um, the Axeman or rather the Axeman letter helped musicians in the genre of jazz as a whole even even like just for a night Mm -hmm. like it just kind of like I mean I don't know what to say it just helped it I mean, yeah, it did. I mean, definitely boosted their sales for a, for a night. <laughs> well, I was gonna say because like because of the Axeman letter threatening to kill whoever like did not have jazz music or a jazz band playing in their house. Um, that was one night where like every jazz band in New Orleans was working and had a gig either at home or at a dance hall. So he probably helped all these jazz musicians actually get paid finally mm-hmm. like, that year. Yeah. um, God, just
1: imagine all the people who hated jazz, but they were scared, so they're just sitting there, sipping their drinks, going, I fucking hate this right now.
0: (laughs) But I don't want to die, so... Play on, Steve. Play Play on. Play on. Well, yeah, okay, so, like, Miriam... I think, and I already said this, but I'll say it again, like, Miriam Davis, who wrote The Axeman of New Orleans, The True Story, Mm -hmm. um, also has some thoughts. Um... Actually, I didn't already say that. But yeah, anyway. So Miriam Davis, yeah, she wrote The Axeman of New Orleans, a true story. And she had some thoughts on, like, this kind of theory, I guess you could say, or who The Axeman was. Um, She thinks that the letter in the paper was not written by The Axeman. Um, She says that The Axeman was—oh, this is a quote, direct quote. The Axeman was almost certainly not a well-educated person. He was working class— Definitely not. Read that letter again. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) He was working class. He was probably a burglar, she says. This was not a person who would be, at the time, well-educated, but the person who wrote the letter was extremely educated. So, I guess she contradicts what you were oh, saying. Oh, yeah, she did. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But I guess, like, because the language she used, or the language that they used was kind of like... Fair enough, I suppose. You know, like, I mean, he was using words that, like, typical people don't use. Yeah. He was either a nerd, or was just educated, Yeah. Or, or read a lot, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so she, yeah, so that's what she, that's what her thought is, and then she said, um... She does have some interesting thoughts on the Axeman's victims who were, as I mentioned, mostly Italian-Americans or Italian immigrants. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of the Italian immigrants in New Orleans at the time were from Sicily and had pretty dark skin. Um, They didn't fit neatly into the white or black categories and were willing to do jobs that whites weren't. So, as a group, they they did well economically, Italians. Yeah. So, this is her quote again uh, from Davis. My suspicion is that there's some kind of racial or ethnic anxiety there. Yeah. uh, That he perhaps has this resentment of these not-quite-white foreigners who are doing better than he thinks they ought to be doing. Um, She thinks a man by the name of Joseph—I'm sorry. She thinks a man by the name of John Joseph Davila wrote the letter. Really? Yeah, how ironic. He was a musician and jazz composer, and right after the letter was published, he came out with a composition called The Mysterious Axeman's Jazz, quotation, Don't Scare Me Papa. He made a pile of money off that song, says Davis, and I just think that he's most likely suspect for the letter. So, was the Axeman a demon? A evil spirit? Uh, Was he a serial killer or multiple serial killers? Or was he, perhaps, the greatest marketer for jazz of all time? I'm... Um, what's your- what's your- All of the above, i All of the uh, above? <laughs> he was all of them? What's your was a conclusion? a spirit who had
1: genius marketing skills and loved jazz. <laughs> I almost spit out my water.
0: <laughs> a spirit who had genius marketing skills? <laughs> You just see him in a boardroom with like graphs and pie charts. This is what we need to do. <laughs> Somewhere in hell, there's a demon with pie charts and graphs. <laughs> oh my god! Dressed like a Mormon with like a tie. Just like. <laughs> Dressed like a Mormon, <laughs> pointing out like,
1: Ugh. so this is what we need to do. Well, this is a, see, is <laughs> data out. shows that if people will react this way if we do this, so let's take that and I don't know. I mean, it makes sense. Like, I don't know. know. To me, it sounds like. It's possible that it could have been um, that very last theory about it being what was his name? Joseph Mumphrey? Yeah, the one who got shot. Yeah. What's her her name? Lots of names to remember. I'm not remembering any of them. Uh, I think that's the most believable one um, just because of all the circumstantial evidence. Mm -hmm. I think that's what you call it, circumstantial um, evidence around him and um, was the Italian Mafia thing at the time? Good question. I, because it the could mafia have just was, been like a cultural, you know... It, yeah. it could It could be that it's not... They had anything against the Italians. It could be that it was an Italian involved mm. with the mob and yeah. is, uh, you know...
0: Well, the Mafia was around. I'm sure the Italian Mafia. Yeah. It said the Mafia. I'm not sure which Mafia. but it was, yeah, yeah, I'm
1: thinking it could have just been that. Hmm. You know, just doing yeah. a bunch of hits.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. My, my I theory, mean,
1: remember when we were we were speculated that people were just fucking with everyone by putting axes in their backyard? <laughs> yeah. Like maybe that's the same thing with the letter, you know? True. Like someone was just you know trying to stoke the fire. It's a good point. It's a really good point. <laughs> or maybe a jazz musician decided to capitalize on the, <laughs> on the fear, like in fear mongering. Like she says, <laughs> like, uh,
0: that Davis lady.
1: But like I'm, um, but like not. Like they weren't—they weren't responsible for the murders. They're just capitalizing on the notoriety or the uh, the uh, publicity. Yeah, that's yeah. what she
0: says. Yeah, she doesn't. She's not accusing like that Joseph, that John Joseph Davila guy of like committing the murders. She's just comi- like, oh, okay, then accusing I him. That. Yeah, yeah, she's just accusing him of capitalizing on it because he, he's a musician. Yeah, yeah, he's a musician himself, and so she's like, you know, he came out with a song that sold tons of records, made a lot of money. He came out with that song, "The Mysterious Axeman Jazz." Don't scare oh. me, Papa. So,
1: oh, okay. It was covered by. I was looking up the song so I could like listen to it later. Yeah. There's only a couple of songs on Spotify, but I just noticed one of my favorite bands uh, covered it, um, and they probably did an awesome job because they do that like old-timey swing type shit. Nice. What band? Uh, it's a funny-ass name. Squirrel Nut Zippers. What the? Seriously. <laughs> Squirrel nut zippers? Squirrel nut zippers, I know. But they're, uh, <laughs> they were basically doing the indie folk thing, like, long before it was really cool.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, they the were original
1: hipsters. Yeah, basically, from like, the mid-90s, I think. I gotta go back and like, look up their story. But I know that they were releasing stuff since
0: the 90s. That's crazy. At least. Well, I mean, you know, this is obviously an unsolved mystery, an unsolved case. It's a cold case, no one knows who he was. We'll probably never truly know who it was. Or the the answer, but my personal theory is that my personal theory is that the Axeman was a real person, like it was a real serial killer. Yeah. But I don't believe he was responsible for all of his attacks that are attributed to him. Yeah. I think some of them were the work of the mafia. Yeah. And they just like blamed it on blamed him to try it on and get the Axeman. Exactly. Because like it's an yeah. easy it's an easy getaway. Like yeah. okay, we'll just we'll just make it look like it was this guy because this is everyone. He's hot on everyone's radar right now. This will throw the police off our tail. Yeah. They won't think it's a hit from us, you know? Yeah. would smart. That's what I would do if I was in charge of the mafia. I'd be like, okay, we'll just pretend like one of the Axeman killers, you know? So I think the Axeman was real. He committed some murders. But I think the mafia kind of capitalized and took advantage of it. Yeah. uh, And kind of did some themselves. Uh, Obviously, don't believe he was like a, a spirit or a demon. I'm gonna go with that one. Yeah, you gonna go with that one? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, realistically, it was it was definitely a person. Yeah, could have been either the mob. Yeah, because that one guy that I was saying he was involved. Joseph in Mumphrey. Yeah, yeah. He had like. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Joseph You Gonna go with Joseph Mumphrey?
0: Yeah. Cool. I'm going. You think he's responsible for all of them?
1: Uh. Well, now that you mentioned that. Thing about the mafia, just blaming them. Well, wasn't he part of the mafia? That's what I'm saying. Wasn't he part of it? That's well. He, they
0: said he was part of a, a blackmail gang, which
1: sounds like the mafia to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was gonna say like I could have been a mafia thing. Yeah. So, so yes. Yeah. So whether it was whether it was a separate gang or the mafia, whatever, I think it was him for all of them. Um, if he was part of the mafia, yeah. If not, then it could have been like you're saying, like some of it was not him, and they were just blaming it on him. It yeah. could be either or, but again, that's inconclusive. So, mm, you know, true. I was over here trying to draw some kind of conclusion, but yeah, there's just no way to draw yeah. a really set conclusion here. That's true. There really isn't. Yeah, There's no
0: right or wrong answers here. Then I'm going to go with the demon. <laughs> <laughs> I freaking knew it. <laughs> You're really set on this one. Huh? <laughs> I mean, it's definitely cooler
1: that way. Yeah, it was. it's an interesting story. Much cooler story. Yeah. Uh,
0: but yeah, that, that's, that's really it. That's the story of the Axeman of New Orleans. Um, like I said in the last episode, if you haven't been to New Orleans, yeah. go to New Orleans because it's awesome. There's nothing really quite like it. And take a box full of axes and just leave them in the back of people's yards. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, that would... Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, <laughs> also, but also to, like experience live jazz in New Orleans. There's really like nothing like it. Yeah, like it's a really. I, that's the
1: whole food reason food. why I've been wanting to go ever since I was a teenager, and I still haven't. I need to go.
0: You need to go, man. I
1: Definitely really do. Creole. That and food. Oh, yeah, I really? We really want to try creole. It's, creole. it's Creole, right? Uh, Cajun. Right? Cajun. Creole. I mean, they have
0: Creole food too. Yeah, it's they have, like, just the same thing. Different right? kinds.
1: I feel like there's probably a foodie who wants to crucify, crucify me for saying that, but yeah, I think they're pretty much the same thing,
0: aren't they? I, th- I don't know, yeah. honestly. I'm not gonna lie. I have okay. No idea. Yeah. I just eat. Obviously, I, I don't know. Either. I just eat, bro. I just, I just eat. That's just all I do. I see it on the plate, and I put it in my mouth. I see it. I feel it. I do it. That's all. It, that's all it. right. <laughs> You're like, all right. All right. <laughs> well, uh, good luck with that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. New Orleans is a great place. Go there. Go visit it.
1: But don't do the axe thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need people doing the axe thing and then it gets blamed on us. Like, I was going to say,
0: <laughs> I was going to say, like, I, I was trying to think if there's like a, a cool, like, um, like tribute to the man that they have in New Orleans, because like, obviously, so I can give a recommendation for you guys to do that. But when I was there, there really wasn't. I mean, we just did like a ghost tour, a history tour, a vampire tour and a voodoo tour. And they don't. Um, then they talk about the Axeman, and I think they even take you to some sites where some of the murders occurred. So that's yeah. that's about like the closest thing you can get to it, mm-hmm. I think. I didn't, I didn't come. There's not like a museum or anything with Axeman stuff, but but um. Well, there wasn't really much left behind. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But anyway, that uh, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you, Michael, for being in with me for these two episodes, these New Orleans themed episodes with yep. Madame LaLaurie and the Axeman of New Orleans. Real quick before we go, who do you think would win in a fight? The, <laughs> the Axeman of New Orleans or Madame Delphine LaLaurie? I'm going to go
1: with the Axeman on that one. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, because she didn't uh, use any particular weapons. She was more of a strategic, I'm going to torture you kind of person. That's true. Yeah, she didn't come at you out of nowhere. She got you in a corner and you know, <coughs> put you in a box and strapped, uh, strapped you down. And That's a good point. Put
0: shit in your mouth. Oh, literal shit. Yeah. Literal shit. Um, and both were on American Horror Story. Yeah, Coven. same season. Same Coven, season. great season. One of the best.
1: Pretty damn good season. Yeah. yeah.
0: All right. Well, thanks again, Michael, for uh, being the co-host for this these two episodes. Yeah. Um, and Anytime thank you. I can actually make it up here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Austin is a busy city. Yeah, booming city, but. Uh, Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of The Devil's Hour, a podcast for the stranger unusual. We'll see you next time.